Hi, I'm Carson Block of Zeros TV, and welcome to another edition of Zero Fucks Given. Now, normally I do the intro, but I was just on the road last week with Freddie, and Freddie was bitching that I do all the talking. And I think you were bitching some more today that I do all the talking. So it's your turn. You do the intro. You you run shit, man. Cool. I've been waiting for this moment. I better not fuck it up. Um, I've been waiting like eight years, right, to actually <laughs> talk more than I do. True. So, you know, we were out last week. Uh, we spoke at a class at uh, UPenn, which was really cool. We discussed topics as broad as what the actual definition of fuck you money is. And then... That's generally... true. That was important when, yeah, like somebody raised their hand. Like, oh, well, what is fuck you money? And like a billion or so. And yeah, the kid was dazzled by that. It's not much lower. And yeah. Yeah, welcome. And we had to break it to him that there aren't short sellers that are worth a billion dollars. Well, there, there's one. There's but one. There won't be another. <laughs> Fair. But uh, that wasn't the only thing that was nice about being out on the road. Um, I didn't manage to uh, find any new romance in my life, but uh, Carson, you struck up what was genuinely like the sweetest romance I've ever seen. We. Uh, we sat there meeting a you know potential investor who runs a family office and so he's uh, obviously smart money because he's talking to us exactly Very smart money <laughs> and um, you know usually like I have to do some of the small talk but uh, you just like went straight into the uh, the COVID comparison notes I mean it was like fluttering eyelids over HEPA filters and CO two readers and air throughput and all kinds of stuff. It was, it was truly cute. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'm glad you think that you usually do the small talk, but <laughs> that's just me letting you feel important. Cause again, like you're always whining. Oh, I feel so left out. You know, I only got to speak 49% of the time. <laughs> True. Um, so other than me liking the sound of my own voice, um, it was, it was nice being out actually. Like, you know, I, I think like zoom has led the whole world to this, like kind of like, strange interaction and we're so used to seeing like eight different cubes and mainly like six of those people won't get to talk so it's actually like nice being out on the road in a room with people like getting to engage having a meeting run like half an hour longer than the prescribed amount of time and it it kind of got me wondering like you know because of my small talk <laughs> monologues um but uh it, it kind of got me wondering like you know we probably, most of the people we met, I think, were in the office like two to three days a week. And, you know, I felt like we've lost a lot by not being in the office. And uh, I'm kind of hoping we actually get like back into the office and people start doing business travel again. And like, feels like that's a positive step for humanity. Yeah, I can't endorse the travel aspect. I mean, traveling my recollection of it pre-COVID is that I felt that it sucked and I feel like it sucks more now, a uh, little bit post-COVID. I mean, the mask thing where it's just uncomfortable after a few hours on a plane. And I was supposed to go to Vietnam in a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. punted that by a month, but I mean, shit, like having to have one of those things on my face for, you know, like 17 hours, it's going to feel like I've got my face in a dirty diaper after all that time. Which I think you can do in Japan at the right clubs. <laughs> yeah. You can do it at the right clubs anywhere you live. Fair point. Um, but yeah, I, so putting aside the, the travel thing, definitely returning to the office. I think it's, it's so key. It's so key for culture. And 
it bewilders me when I read these articles about recent college grads or younger mm-hmm. Gen Zers who don't want to return to the office and they're making this a, like a real sticking point. Just, hey, how the fuck do you think you're going to get mentorship? Like, do you, do you have any ambition to advance at all? And here's the thing, having been through, you know, I'm almost 46, you're almost like, what, 23 or something? Yeah, I will keep my age a secret for now. Yeah. Um, so having been through the dot-com burst and having watched the first wave of tech outsourcing during the early 2000s, all of these jobs in tech can become commoditized. They do become commoditized unless you move up the value chain. And when you have people who are basically saying like, well, I'm not going to go in the office. I'm just going to sit at home and code and I'm going to have this job forever. My reaction is, no, you're not. Like some dude in India is going to do it for a fraction of the price you do when the technology adapts a little bit and it becomes more ubiquitous. So you need to be in the office. You need to be inculcated with the company culture and that's good for the company. Politically, you need that if you want to advance and you want to advance because especially in tech, man, those skills those do not age like wine, not at all. Speaking of company culture, I actually think we forgot to make an introduction this week to our sponsor, Smash and Grab Beer. Smash and Grab Beer by Legal Draft. Now, it's a fake sponsor, right? They don't actually sponsor yeah, us. They're and... not paying for the privilege. So if there are any premium brands out there that would like to sponsor a very large and ever-growing audience. I mean, if another person watched it this week, we might have increased our viewership by 20% episode on episode, which is really impressive. Yeah, those, that's that's a great growth metric. Well, I also, but I, I think it's worth mentioning that Legal Draft is going, or they ceased doing business. They did so, cease doing business. We uh, we actually wrote to them this, this week to try and get some like formal sponsorship. And we so on the website, finally got through to someone and he was like, actually, the, the brewery closed down. So um, we are in the market for the trademark. Yeah, we bid them on the trademark, but they're saying that they're not going to sell the trademark or any of the other assets separately from the entire brewery, which guys like, honestly, I don't think somebody's going to walk away from buying the brewery because you've parted ways with this fucking smash and grab trademark. But Thanks to one of our loyal viewers, Chris Taye, pointed this out to me. There's a company, at least one company, that makes um, white label beer, so okay. microbrews, etc. And so, once we do get this trademark, or not, <laughs> sue us. Like, <laughs> like I'm a professional fucking lawsuit defendant, so you know, like, believe me, I'm not worried. Um, we can have smash and grab beers. And we should redesign the logo and what have yeah. you. We can have those made by those guys. But even better, I think this opens up a range of, of new brands that we can bring to market. And our loyal viewers of five, yes. let's give them a shout out. So we mentioned Chris Taye. Uh, we know Mike Blanick watches this to the end. Yeah. Um, there's Anthony Jew, our and- GC. Yeah our, yeah, our GC, Anthony Jew. Yeah. We didn't say he's a Jew lawyer. His last name really is Jew, spelled J-E-W, yes. so this is not a pejorative. But as a member of the tribe, I do like referring to him as the Jew lawyer. Right. Um, to be clear, you are Jewish, so yes. I'm half. Is, so does that allow me to say the same thing? Mother's like, side, father's side. It's father's side, but... No such thing as half. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, 
And you're probably still sitting well, that's, there that's thinking... That's only three of our loyal viewers, but... Well, we... We, we love you all. <laughs> we love all, you two, all. Two of you, but here's the thing. We've dropped, what, two episodes so far? Yes. And evidently, this the, you know this whole plugging, smash and grab beer was not enough to save legal draft. So while we love you, we're also a little disappointed that you guys didn't go and like hoover it up in large enough quantities to keep these guys from going out of business. But Correct. If you start a large pressure campaign to encourage them to sell the trademark to us for reasonable price, I bid them five thousand dollars. I mean, yeah. I, you know, like whatever. Um, I, I actually emailed him saying too, I was going to keep the other three, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've been in Asia, you know. Exactly. Um, um, but, but anyway, like new brands. I also, so when we work with white label guys, so I want to mm-hmm. do that. Um, we'll have Chris to do that. Yeah, we'll have Since, Chris to do that. You know, being the assistant PA here, we now know doesn't take any time really. So Krista will have time to arrange the beer uh, white label deal. Yeah. And the other one, I like the next label I want to launch is, okay, tell me which one is better. Fail and set sail pale ale, or just fail and set sail ale? You know what, I'm a, fuck it, let's do both, and one can be the light beer. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, no, because it's like the pre-lap band surgery kind of thing, right? True. So, so there shouldn't be a light version of fail and set sail. You know what, fail and set sail pale ale is, yeah. I like that a lot. It's a good tongue twister. All yeah. right, so fail and set sail pale ale. We're launching that, you know, the six of you listening or watching, please don't fucking go and trademark that ahead of us, man. That'd be, yeah. That'd just be betrayal. I know what a lot of people are thinking. They're thinking like, oh, this is one of these things that you just sit here and you say and do. But actually, like, yeah, we are pretty prolific business idea generators. Yeah, we have. We've had great business ideas going well back to our days in San Francisco in what one of the finance people who came in those days to our office, not so affectionately referred to as the opium den. Mm. Actually, I can't, did he call it crack den or I think, opium I think, den? I think crack den. You know what was really funny? When I then later referred to the crack den and in our second, like slightly nicer office, someone was, it was like- It was a lot nicer. It was a lot nicer. And someone was like, oh yeah, I visited the crack den. I'm like, no, no, that was actually our nice office. Like the, the crack den was the earlier office. <laughs> So anyways, um, but yeah, we've, we've had numerous great business ideas uh, over the years. I mean, you early on realized how broken the ratings agency system was, okay? So it's probably not widely understood, but what companies do is they shop for ratings. And so... I think that's understood. Really? You think people know the ratings agencies are just like whoring out those ratings? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's big surprise. Well, things are very different post-GFC, I'm Totally sure. different. They, it's not like they're still public companies with shareholders or anything. Oh, wait. Um, but what's kind of interesting is if you don't like the rating they're going to give you, you basically don't have to like go ahead and get the rating. So um, what you came up with was kind of something akin to that for shitty companies. Well, so there was the, so there was the version of this business that is completely unethical and fucked up, mm-hmm. but would be investigation proof, ironically, and that is for us to provide consulting services to companies and say, hey, we would like to advise you on some of the issues that might exist with respect to your financial statements and presentation of them, and 
obviously as clients, then we would have a conflict that would prohibit us from ever taking a position in your company and trading on it mm -hmm. or publishing on it because there'd be a confi agreement. So that was sort of like the sick cynical joke that we could probably make a lot more money that way yes. much more easily. And yeah, from this point in time, we can look back and say that honestly would have been investigation proof and a way better business and a way better business. But, um, but of course we didn't do that. So, um, there are obvious reasons why, but we did start to wonder, especially at the time that Kroll announced it was going to mm -hmm. start doing bond ratings. And we're thinking like, the fuck do those guys know besides everything that they pulled out of my trash can over the years when clients had hired them to go through it. I, I kid, I don't know for a fact that Kroll was ever hired to investigate me, but, um, other firms certainly were, but we thought about this and we thought, okay, especially with Chinese companies, can we do some sort of muddy waters rating? Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, like my view, which I think you share mm -hmm. is that pretty much every company in China that's using other people's money is to some extent committing fraud. Um, now that might sound harsh, but when you're in an environment where your competitors for capital are committing fraud, then you're kind of forced to also. So if I'm going to pretend that these people are pure of heart, that's, that's what I would call upon to justify what I just said. But so in that, against that backdrop, what could we do? It was the question, what could we do as a ratings type firm? And the only thing we could come up with is reality ratings. Like, Oh, we think these guys are 80% real. So, you know, it's, like it's not a buy. We're just you know get, you know putting a, a num numerical value on how real I right. think they are. Yeah, and then like that gives people a guideline way of like haircutting either the profit number or increasing the debt number or haircutting the cash number, and so like that would give people a much more standardized way of getting to like the actual numbers in these things. Yeah. So the first issue with this is it doesn't really seem like it's a great service if you're going to say that everything's at least a little bit fraudulent. Right. And if you looked at it from the perspective of, well, rational people wouldn't want to buy something that's mm -hmm. fraudulent at all. You'd think that it's doesn't have much demand. Uh, but the reality of the world is that rational people want to buy the fraudulent stuff. So again, it doesn't have. Yeah. I mean, I, Imagine like if we were going to upgrade them from like totally bullshit to like getting a bit more real. Like I like the idea of that as well. Um, but anyway, I like if I'm honest, that wasn't even like one of the top few ideas we ever had. For me, it was the health check app, right? So I'll set the scene. There was uh, someone who had uh, uploaded to the iPhone store this app where he was like yeah if you download the app it makes your phone waterproof and so like what a few unsuspecting people did was they downloaded the app thought the iphone was going to be waterproof and then like dropped it in a glass of water and lo and behold it actually didn't make the iphone waterproof it could make these like clicking noises when you activate it to make it sound like things in there were moving apparently like right so we had the idea like okay what else could you get people to do to their iphones Right. So yeah, I, that's one thing I love about the world is there's a seemingly limitless supply of, of complete fucking morons. Yeah. Right. And so I thought as an interesting kind of social experiment that 
we should do this app or mm -hmm. create this app that's called the health check app. And basically it's supposed to save you expensive, annoying trips to the doctor. And the way you use it, you open it up, place the phone somewhere underneath you and you take a shit on the phone. And the idea would be that it's supposed to analyze your shit. But of course that's impossible. <laughs> Just like it was impossible for an app to make your phone waterproof. And this, the payoff would have been, so we knew we couldn't get away with uploading that to the Apple store, mm -hmm. right? Cause they, you know, those antitrust fuckers, police things. Um, but they probably could have uploaded it to uh, app stores for Android. Right. And I was tempted, you know, just cause you know, on bad days, it would have enabled me to go to bed at night and just with like a little smile on my face, just assuming that someone somewhere today <laughs> took a shit on their iPhone for absolutely no good reason. <laughs> so that, that was that was my my grand ambition in the in the app world. Yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm not really the most technically savvy guy, so it's I haven't gone far beyond yeah. that myself. Yeah, I look. Along that theme, um, you know, for me, the idea that got me most excited was was Poober. Okay, so when I was thinking about like a room in your house where like dollars spent versus time spent, probably like not a great ratio. I think of like toilets, especially that like spare toilet downstairs that like is mostly for the guests. So, but you don't email and check email from the toilet. I mean, that's uh, that's what it's best for. Fair point. Wait until you have kids. Sometimes it's just like you know, it's like the sanctuary. So, like you know, I've noticed there are some people they really don't want to use like public bathrooms. So, like the the initial thing 1.0 was like, okay, you'll have poopers. Wait, what do you mean some people? Like, a lot of people. Yeah, come on, man. That, that's also a rational response. True. And there's actually, I've learned this thing called like an inner sphincter and an outer sphincter that like for people who mentally don't want to go, it like, huh? yeah, yeah. Okay, that, all right, that's, yeah, that's scientific. It's apparently a real thing. I mean, I read like three articles on it. Anyway. Well, you were obviously preparing to launch this. Yes. Yeah, so, well, that's a good pun, Matt. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, there were kind of like two versions of this. Like, Puba 1.0 was like it was going to be a regular Uber and then you were just going to like turn up at the door of someone's house and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm here for the Puba. So I just love the idea of that social interaction and then like people go and like, you know, rate that person's Puba. Just don't have like a hot, like nobody, no hot <laughs> women like answering the door like oh really you know? you're like oh no no it must be wrong oh, door sorry oh that's not why i'm here <laughs> gotta go but that, that i thought 2.0 is like the really low rated uber drivers so if you're getting below like a 3.0 you don't drop off the app you just become a pooper right so people come in they retrofit your car and you've got to drive around with people just crapping in the back of your no, car. No, 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 But I thought when we got like serious about pitching SoftBank um, on it, <laughs> right. um, that the idea was there'd be some sort of trailer towed behind the car. Right. Not just like a normal porta shitter, but like something luxurious. It's like one of those five-star hotel bathrooms with the wood paneling right. like, in the back. And in between the driver, you know, two stars or fewer would have to come in, like sanitize it and clean it. But yeah, just a just a better way of doing it, especially yeah. if you had to get from A to B, right? So look, Masa, if you're watching, uh, we're still in the market. The term's huge. Um, you know, we've uh, we've thought about several iterations of this, and we're ready for an infusion of anywhere between like 
don't know, how much did they lose on that North Star stuff? So seven billion. So anywhere between one and seven billion, we think we could start scaling this. Yeah, if you think about like Zoom Pizza, right? Right. I think they put SoftBank put like four hundred million in, or something. That was maybe the total deal size. I'd buy a lot of luxury toilet trailers. I mean, look, if you want to scalable, man, it's fucking scalable. If you want to increase throughput, like after you've come off your puba, you get a fresh Zoom Pizza at the back, just to <laughs> just to replenish. I think this is a pretty good idea. Yeah, no, it 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 has legs. Um, obviously, with pitching SoftBank, you know they wouldn't take something like this seriously unless you explained that this was going to help solve one of civilization's great problems. Which I don't know, like what would you say? Oh, you know, all all turds are recycled and made into compostable. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, look, really, if you are watching Masasan. I have channeled my inner Adam Newman. I'm not wearing shoes today. I've got long hair. Give us your fucking money. There you go. All right. Well, okay. So speaking of people who really are saving humanity from itself, Elon Musk, uh, if we have to turn to the, the markets here. So Elon went long Twitter. He became a 9% uh, shareholder. activist shareholder. Well, also delaying his filing for a long, for I think he went well past the filing date mm-hmm. um, before he actually did file, and that enabled him to amass even more shares. And yeah, and so day one, non activist filing long 9.2% of Twitter stock. Day two, the non activist is on the board of Twitter. Day three, Oh, uh, we miscounted. It's actually 9.1% of Twitter stock, which, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like math is hard, right? It's not as though you launch rockets into space and shit right. like that and have that much precision in math, but, or clearly those people weren't working on your filing. Not sure anybody's working on the filing, but yeah, this is interesting. I mean, here's Elon again, mm-hmm. like taking that, you know, I'm going to give it to him, right? Like taking that 30 foot cock of his and just slapping the SEC in the face again with it. And yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess like part of me is just like, you know, is this, is this just like, he couldn't be bothered to tweet out like, you know, what SEC stands for again, or is he going to like turn up knowing that he's probably going to get like some pretty sizable fine? Is he just going to like turn up and flood the car park with like $50 million worth of nickels just to be like, yeah, guys, Here's a down payment. The SEC's parking lot. Yes. I mean, yeah. Like, I really do not give a fuck. Um, yeah, you know, maybe we should rename this thing Elon's instead of zero fucks given. Because, I mean... <laughs> they're synonymous, they're, right? Exactly. Yeah. Elon and zero fucks given. Synonymous. Shit, we should trademark that. Oh, dude. We should turn it into a... Like, we should call the brewery, which we're going to buy, Elon's. So... Well, when we do the white label Elon beer, empty uh, cans, and just you know, like with the so, message with the message on the bottom, what the fuck are you going to do about it? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how this plays out because I, I don't know what his relationship is or isn't with Jack Dorsey. I kind of assume all the you know billionaire guys in Silicon Valley are kind of pally with each other, um, but. Um, 
you know, here he is on one hand suing critics. Now he's a champion for free speech. Um, you know, so convenient when that happens. Yes. Um, and look, truth be told, I mean, part of the reason Zeros always existed was, you know, the censorship issue of like one day, what if like, you know, Elon Musk decides like he doesn't like you or, you know, a news channel that you're on decides like, ah, we don't want to feature short activism anymore. And, you know, it's kind of becoming more real. No, this is a very serious point. So there we were, I think in 2019, Mm -hmm. um, going around and meeting with existing clients. And I explained to them that I was, that I wanted to launch this type of thing. We didn't have a name for it yet. We didn't know it was going to be called Zeros, but there I was explaining that we wanted to launch an online media platform and be able to communicate directly with people. I said, because the traditional media platforms um, are getting, you know, they're getting kind of skeeved out by all the threats by companies. You know, the moment you say something like not entirely flattering about the CEO, it's like, you know, here's a letter from our lawyers threatening to sue you and insurance rates climb. Number one, number two, also from their perspective, yeah, like by by 2019, I mean, people just generally don't want to hear bad fucking news or negative news right. about companies. So the traditional media outlets were becoming, obviously, the, the trend is to become more averse to short related content, mm-hmm. number one. And then social media, it really freaked me out. I think it was in March of 2019 when Tesla charts tweeted out a spreadsheet. It was like a Google spreadsheet that um, he had put together of what he tracked as the real Model S or a more real driver death rate of the Model S than what had been reported to the NHTSA. And right after, I mean, within hours of tweeting that out, that account was suspended by Twitter. Hmm. And I always just imagined that it was Elon pinging Jack and being like, hey, suspend this guy. He's a dick. And Tesla charts got back on in a day or two after there was an uproar. And again, like people saying, what what transgression Mm -hmm. did he commit here? Um, But that also told me like, yeah, Twitter is Twitter is something that is also potentially going to be inaccessible to people who want to disseminate contrarian content that's critical of public companies. So now you see free speech advocate Elon Musk on the board of Twitter. And I think that this is really, you know, this is showing that this was actually very prescient to create this, uh, this, this channel, Zeros. Do you know what else would be prescient? For Jack Dorsey to eat something. I don't know what that dude is doing with this, like, I mean, first how about like, How about showering? <laughs> he looks unshowered. I, I mean, I haven't been in person. <laughs> he does him, look but... unshowered. I, I genuinely could not believe how much of a vagrant, emaciated state he got himself into. I don't know if he like modeled himself on Howard Hughes and was like, "Hey, this is like really the way to go." Did Howard Hughes ever grow that that fucking beard? You know, he didn't grow the beard. I think he didn't cut his fingernails. If right. I remember correct. Um, but yeah, I look at that dude and I'm like, "P.S. I mean." You know, Shane Warne allegedly put himself at real risk uh, by doing that, like, you know, intermittent fasting water diet. It had nothing to do with, I'm sure, what was probably... Okay, so um, so again, like, you're speaking to a non-cricketing like cricketing 
guys, audience. Just we talked about it like the one episode, like it was, but... you know, for the five of you watching, it was on the first episode, all right? Yes, yeah, right. It was the first episode, but it, basically, a guy who could get laid in Anglo countries because he was a cricketer in America. It's kind of like what? He, oh yeah, I guess Liz Hurley's not American. He he could definitely get laid in America too. Huh? Sorry, what? Liz, Liz Hurley, Hurley was could... not American, right? She was no, British. she's she's British. Yeah. Okay, he did bang Liz Hurley. That's pretty cool. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, but again, she's British. Like, okay, you know, right, true. So there, there's that thing with Robbie Williams, right? Which, when I moved to China um, the second time, 2005 to 2010, we were friends with a bunch of Aussies, Kiwis, and Brits, mm -hmm. and yeah, and we go to bars that like an Aussie-owned bar, and they'd have this fucking Robbie Williams in front of Ayers Rock, just like over a hundred thousand people in the audience, and my wife and I are like, who the fuck is this guy? Who's rocking this crowd? I don't recognize him. And then people, then everybody returned to us and, it's Robbie Williams. You don't know who Robbie Williams is. <laughs> I'm thinking, that's the lamest name. Robbie like, Williams. How do you get to rock a fucking crowd with that name? R Robbie Williams, child prodigy, was in Take That. Probably. Let's take that. Jesus Christ, what you, the are, fuck so, is you that? are so fucking uncultured. It's unbelievable. Your your knowledge of like '90s boy bands in the UK is fucking. <laughs> you probably didn't even know that David Hasselhoff single handedly brought down communism by singing on the uh, the wall, did you? No. <laughs> Very popular in Germany, David. Yeah, Hasselhoff. but like, listen, whatever, whatever. But you know, like, I was, you know, I was attracted to Spice Girls. Fair I mean, point. Each and every one of them. Even sporty. I can't remember. I'm whatever. Trust me. I'll show you a picture. It would no, have been worth it. No one was attracted to it would have been Spice. Worth it. But there was like scary Spice, right? But Scary was hot. She was Sporting. hot. She was hot. Sporting, yeah. not so much. Okay. Trust right. me. Okay. Um, but yeah, Robbie Williams is like the single greatest thing, I think, probably that we have given to the world. Americans don't even know about it. I, I read. So this... is he British or is he Australian? So he's British. I think he's originally born in uh, like... Trent, which is important for me as a Londoner to just delineate that. So what's up with the three word names of towns? I don't understand that. You know, I think on Trent, I think a Trent is a river, if I'm correct, or some sort of body on water. So it's like the town on the Trent. So, so when Elon buys England, he could name a place like sucks Elon's cock, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. It wouldn't be that unusual. <laughs> exactly. For Elon or for, <laughs> or for us. English. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Russians basically did it. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, Robbie Williams, back to him not being, like, prominent amongst Americans. Um, I read the story, like, similar thing about him, like, being in L.A. when he was in his, like, mid-20s. He takes this girl out for dinner. He turns up in, like, a nice car and, you know, kind of halfway through, like, you know, he's like, yeah, why don't we go back to mine? She's like, great. And so... So uh, I did this also. Yeah. Like, but it was my grandparents' Lexus Coupe in their house, and they were out of town. So, ah, okay. But, you know, like, I mean, but the girls saw through it right away. They're like, nah, it's not yours. Right. So anyway, this this girl comes back to his, and um, she's like, so, like, <laughs> like you know, what, what do you really do? He's like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm a pop star. And she's like, sure you are. Like, I've basically never heard of you. Like, what are you, a businessman or something? And he's he's in his, like, $10 million mansion. She's like, no, I, I am a pop star. She's like, okay, well, he's like, you really don't believe me? She's like, no, she, you never heard of me? No. So he goes, he sticks a DVD in of him at Nebworth with, like, half a million people. And she's like, 
oh. And he just like gets up on stage, takes the mic, and just has everyone sing angels to him. So if you are listening. It's angels. You're a fucking lost cause. Forget it. Again, like what what a horrible fucking name for a pop star. Like if he had a real name, he would have been a big pop star in America and he would have gotten laid a lot more easily without the skepticism in America. Like he wouldn't have had to have like just brought one woman back to his place. Like Dude, he, he literally have... has one song. I mean, he's made like hundreds of millions of dollars off oh, just like one song. Okay, all right. So, like the, the... so there's something like to yeah. what I'm saying, right? Okay, so he was a one hit wonder. Yeah, but it was the greatest hit ever of all time. Well, I guarantee you, if it didn't, I it didn't got crack on the any American top one airplane going from England to anywhere and just stood up and started singing Angels, you could have the whole airplane singing. Yeah, what's what's popular on airplanes isn't really a great proxy. When we resumed flying in uh, July, mm-hmm. right, so I flew JetBlue from San Francisco to New York. Like, shit, you not? Like, I, you know. It's fine. Like, you know, you be you. Whatever makes you happy, mm-hmm. I have no problem. But of the, say, I don't know, I feel like there were 30, I think there were 30 movies approximately mm-hmm. that I could choose from. Let's say six of them were trans content. Like Dave Chappelle? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, you know, the parents of the young trans boy ex- exploring his gender identity and mm-hmm. you know da, 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 trans it, it's just it's like wow you know this is i think disproportionately large so my point being if if you're saying there's an airplane test like you know based on that jet blue experience i don't know that what you have on an airplane that passes for entertainment is necessarily representative of the broader population well they got to balance it out because airplanes by their very design are very phallic so uh they just need to balance it out yeah, but I think a lot of the, well, all right, that's another topic for another time. When we're up to 10 viewers, we can, we can. The fallacy of airplanes. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, we could go where I was going with that joke that formed in my mind, but I just, I couldn't help it. Like it just, but anyway, we'll do that when we're up to 10 viewers. Cool. So short selling this week, uh, we didn't put anything out, but some other people did. Yeah. Um, Hindenburg came out with a report, and that was the same day that Spruce Point came out with a report on Stryker Medical, which was $100 billion market cap. So we don't really have any comments on either. We didn't read either report, but we're just going to show you this meme here that was posted by somebody else, no idea who, and no comments on it. And if you're listening to this instead of watching the video version, well, this is what you miss out on this great visual entertainment here. So pause. All right. Resume. Yes. That's not the only thing that happened in hedge fund world this week. Uh, Everyone's quarterly kind of numbers got leaked or put on the internet or however that kind of works. Um, Well, since the numbers were bad, they were leaked. Yeah, that's true. Sorry. No, no. When they're good, they're leaked. When they're, bad pissed off lps violate their ndas yes um look there have been some very prominent tech investors done really well for a long time and um schmucks like us who (laughs) you know just like sitting around generating real returns and um all i'll say is that it's it's really interesting how much smarter the uh 
private investment teams are than the public ones because uh a lot of those private marks aren't down quite as much as the uh, public marks for the tech funds. We'll give some examples. And this is based on Bloomberg reporting. So we're not yet maligning anybody here. Yeah. So uh, I think based on some of the stuff I saw, the uh, the D1 mark was like the, the private fund was only down 10%. The public fund was down like, I don't know, mid-teens or 20 or something. And uh Look, I'm not saying there's anything... What about 2021, though? I thought there was a a very big delta in 21 performance between the publics and privates. Yeah, I I can't... I honestly can't remember the exact numbers. But yeah, you you see, like, for a lot of these large tech funds, the private marks are, like, pretty robust and look good. I mean, like, some of these people were, like, flat to up, and then their public funds, which hold a lot of tech companies, are actually down. And I think... You know, obviously it depends on the various like marking policies, I'm not accusing anyone of any wrongdoing, but it kind of begs, to, you know, really kind of like begs the question as to like, well, when's this all going to catch up and like, well, or they're invested in great companies like Puber. Dude, this is who we got to go and talk to Puber about. SoftBank, obviously, like they, they strayed into public markets. Mm-hmm. losing $7 billion, which I honestly don't know how they did. Like, no, well, it wasn't just their money. It was the Saudi money, which is, you know, like I really would just, all bullshit aside, want to shake Moss's hand for setting that much Saudi money on fire. Yeah. That's cool. That's true. He's, he's, of, he's really playing for us. Speaking That's, of Masa, like I've been watching the, uh, the WeWork. Uh, we crashed. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I got to say, Jared Leto as Adam Newman is superb, like absolutely superb. Like he captures the essence of like bullshit and chaos and craziness. Like I was sitting there watching it and I was thinking to myself, like this guy must have had so much fun for seven years. Like just walking around, just like constantly being like, can I tell like more and more and more bullshit? Like, can I get crazier and crazier and crazier? And is it just going to, like, are people just going to buy into this? And, like, uh, clearly they did. And, you know, he still walked away with, like, billions of dollars. It obviously helps having Moss's imprimatur on there because he's smart money. Yeah. You know, look, to, to be fair, he And seemed, that was totally sarcastic. Yeah. Course, but but, but uh, to be fair, he, he took in, like, a lot of other, like, actually sharp money who were probably figuring, like, look, this guy's an awesome salesman, like... In the day, if you're in here and this guy's really good at selling stuff to other people, you can probably get out somewhere between here and here. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I, uh, it's, it's pretty sharp. And he probably worked out that that was the game everyone else was playing. So he's like, well, if that's the game they're playing, I may as well be the biggest player on the board doing this. And uh, he got to smoke weed in a private jet, which I certainly haven't. Okay. What? No comment on that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little awkward when you're chartering. Fair. So, yeah, so I think that wraps up uh, the week. We've had um, private marks, memes, our business ideas, and. Um, Only some of our business ideas. We still haven't gotten to the pimp my ride for dictators. Oh, dude. Should we save that for next week? Or should we tell people about that? 
well, well, we'll save it for next time, but I'm just going to preview. Instead of normal buttons on the consoles made out of plastic, teeth of dissidents. That's, that's fucking money. That's where the money's at. Well, anyway, can I lead us out? Yeah, and do the outro, man. You talk so fucking much, so <laughs> go for it. Everyone, thank you for watching. This has been Zero Fucks Given, and uh, smash and grab. And coming soon, fail and set sail, pale ale. <laughs> <laughs>